No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. So if you want to join the station, now is the time. We all know Dr. Electric was on, and wow, time to wake up, you know, time to start really talking about important issues, all right? So let's do it, 615-737-9986. I may be clumsy, but I'm cute, 615-737-9986. You can join the show. Nothing else we can always talk about Joe and his issues, but I'm actually fortunate enough to have Barry Burke in here. This gentleman has been an entrepreneur. Basically, what he does is buy and sell businesses. We'll just say for 25 plus years. We don't want to make him seem too old. Thank you. Um, so we'll just stop there. You would think that it's enough experience for anyone in a conversation. So, how you doing, Barry? I'm doing good. Glad to join you. Yeah, Dr. Thank Friday. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. All right. So, the reason I brought him on, guys, is seriously, he does. That's what he does. He's a business broker. He buys and sells businesses all the time. So, if you're looking to think about, you know, you hear a lot of times I, there's a business for sale. Sounds almost too good to be true. Or, you know, this guy tells you he's going to give you his business for a steal. But what does that really mean? I mean, because a lot of times as an accountant, I'm sitting there going, okay, we're going to crunch the numbers. How much is inventory? How much can we put in towards goodwill? How much is their equipment? You know, what? how long the customer list? These are things we look at. But how do we really get to a value? And so, you know, I ask that all the time. I said, why not bring in someone that should know the answer to these questions? So we're going to start asking him several questions that we've received. Um, and really what the biggest thing is, how important when I'm looking at a business, let's say, you know, I've been working for this guy for a number of years. And, and let's just say it's a, I don't know, an excavating business, a construction. I know very basically concentrates in restaurants. So let's just right. go restaurants because you're an expert in restaurants. I've been working in a restaurant and he says, I want out. I'm going to sell this restaurant to you. And the history of the company, how important when you're looking at this information is history? Well, well, history for me um, is extremely important. Um, now, it depends on if this is a franchise or an independently owned, like an Italian restaurant or an ethnic, an ethnic restaurant of some sort, any type, because Middle Eastern restaurants are very popular now. and There's, there's lots of different Indian restaurants, obviously. Uh-huh. So those play into it differently. If you're an employee and you're not the owner and you may not be of that uh, demographic. I mean, like, I'm not going to buy a, a Middle Eastern restaurant or an Asian restaurant because one, I probably wouldn't do it. Even if you know how to do it, it's just that's that's tough to do. There's a so, lot of there's a lot of cultural dynamics. and dynamics that go yeah, in. With with franchising, you know, you can be anyone, anywhere, and you should be able to operate that business because of the operations handbook so and all those things. Let's so. start there. Okay, so I have a choice. Do I want to go with an independent? single mom and pop or whatever maybe they even own two or three here we've got a couple companies like demos or whatever a family owned multi restaurant mm-hmm. or a franchise papa john's or somebody mm-hmm. i mean why would i maybe choose one or the other or what would i be looking for to make that kind of decision for me personally and you know obviously there's a lot of successful independent restaurants but with the way that everything's going out there with the the delivery and the online and the technology that's playing so much into our our business models, 
I don't know how independents, unless they're very, very large, high-volume type restaurants, are going to be able to keep up because we are in, we are implementing so much technology. Just you know, McDonald's pads, you know, as simple as that. All that technology needs to play into our future, and of course, then you got manpower. So, from from a technical standpoint, I'm really not sure. Uh, you know, I travel the country, go to a lot of conventions. Right. I see all the different national brands, and they talk about it. And we really are no longer producers of food. We all produce food, but we're really small tech companies. Um, and it's just going to continue to evolve as the labor continues to get more expensive and as certain things. Right, we, that's what it's I all see. about production. I mean, and so, I mean, I think a lot of us want more so. of that instant. We don't need that, hi, Friday, how are you going, you right. know, kind of thing. I right. want my salad. So if I can put it in a pad and I go to the end of the aisle, my salad is ready, I think most of us are pretty happy and, to move forward with that. the next generation, definitely. Well, is, they heck, don't, they don't even want to talk to anyone. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> all right, let's go to the phones. Hey, Dan, what's happening, sweetie? Dan, you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. So I have, I'm 56. I have about 300000 in a uh, traditional IRA. And I'm just wondering if there's any tax incentives right now from the Trump administration that uh, I should consider maybe uh, rolling those over to a Roth. Well, it would depend. How much money do you make? I'm, um, I'm worse than your wife. Well, I'm just going to ask the question. Well, I'm, think, I'm thinking about maybe retiring soon. Uh, and so uh, probably right at 100 right now. Okay. Well, if you're if retirement is within the next couple years and you can wait till you're 59 and a half, you may need this money earlier than what you expect. So I don't know if doing a conversion at 100,000 are you single or married? I'm sorry, married. Yes. Yeah, that's all right. Um, so if you guys are making $100,000 jointly or is that yes. just your okay, jointly, you're at the 12% tax bracket. Anything above that 100,000 is going to kick you into 22. So doing a conversion at 22 and you're thinking of retirement or even just downsizing your job where your income might drop, if you're making, you know, so if we're making 70, let's say, and then you do a conversion of another 30, keeping you in that 12%, well, that's sweet. But if you have to do the conversion at anything over 100, in my personal opinion, 22 is too high. Gotcha. So I I really just need to wait until my uh, income drops. Patience is a virtue. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks. All right. So, um, so again, if you're listening to the show and you're like, you know, I've thought about buying into restaurants or into franchises and you've got questions, this guy seriously does know his franchises. And if he doesn't know the Pacific franchise, he knows how to ask the right questions of the individuals or how to read the financials. Because from my side, I mean, when we're doing financials, we're writing off everything, right? My goal is to legitimately try to keep those taxes as low as possible. So if that means that maybe we're taking uh, 80% of cell phones that are the personal owner's cell phone, he may be using it only almost for business, but other owners may choose not to use that. Right. Um, he may have his two college children on the payroll um, as as – hostesses or something that they're doing some work, but theoretically maybe those positions wouldn't have to be filled if you were going to be managing this restaurant. So do you look at that? I mean, do you, when you get a financial from someone like me, that's doing her best to keep my people's legitimate tax dollars down. That's our goal as business owners is not to pay taxes. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we do adjusted, what we call adjusted incomes. So we'll take the financial statements or the tax returns or both um, and do an adjustment next to them and do the add backs. Of course, every buyer has to be very cautious of adjustments, right? I mean, um, you know, 
I don't like to put brokers down, but and I am one, but brokers can, can, can tend to be like used car salesmen sometimes. They're going to have a million-dollar business making 35%. And there's no way in the world a million dollar business can make thirty five percent. Right. You know, so um, so you need to one consult with somebody because you all look at these and you say, okay, I make three hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to get it for uh, you know six hundred. Mm-hmm. Say two times. Uh, the likelihood of that a uh, two times multiple on a business if it's truly making three hundred thousand. I mean, if I had a business making three hundred thousand dollars, I'm not selling it to you for less than a million bucks. Right. Um, if it's truly making the three hundred thousand right. uh, dollars, so. That's uh, that's where you got to be careful, like you said in your opening. Is it too good to be true? Yes, it is. I right. mean, and I think you and I were talking earlier about, you know, um, you know, you see a business for fifty thousand and go, oh, I, I can buy it for fifty thousand. You know, why are you selling a Papa John's for fifty thousand? Um, well, there's a reason they're selling for fifty thousand. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it's making money, even if, if you say you go in there and live in it, right? You're, if you're selling fifty thousand dollars, there's a reason they're selling it. So, know? looking back, because sometimes. Uh, sometimes there's a situation where, um, but I'm trying to be liked about this. So people will basically say, you know what? In a couple of years, I'm going to sell this business. So they are maximizing profits. Mm -hmm. They are going back two, three years and they are showing that 300,000 consecutively on the books. Mm -hmm. If their sales are, are all this. And I mean, how close do you match that up to actual Bank deposits. I mean, how far does brokers normally go to justify did this really exist? Even though the guy put it on a tax return and he paid taxes based on the fact that he made three hundred thousand dollars, do you take that as as law? Do you go back through sales? I mean, I'm just curious on well, mean, putting the, him on the spot. Here. Yeah, no, here, you know, here's the beauty of, of franchising: is most franchise brands are going to have what they call an item 19 in the FDD, and that kind of gives you an outline of what oh, a, what a business should make. Okay. Um, and they usually have one. Some don't, but they should. I mean, in most cases. Um, and then also with franchising is you have the ability to talk to other franchisees. So you know, go talk to the other franchisees. They're all in the FDD, and you should consult with them. What is your average food cost? What is your average labor cost? Because um, you're right. Some people will, you know, say doctor the books, but be careful of the books. We, we as brokers, don't usually provide ba- bank statements because um, most sellers don't want to provide bank statements because right. that's very that's very um, it's intrusive i mean it's, yeah, and, it's very and, there's a, and there's stuff and i get right. that and if you're willing to pay the sales tax and everything else but i'm just right. curious being on the side that i am right and and i'm sitting here going you know if i was going back five years i mean how far back if the business has been in business 20 years how far back do you do as a look back to get an average of income or do you really just do a couple years two years three years Three years is the market. Okay. Um, all lenders are going to want three years. Uh, we all ask for three years. Uh, there again, you're a buyer. Yep. So if you want more, you can ask. Sellers might not provide. Um, I mean, if I had a business that had been for seven years and had been a legitimate business, somebody said they want five years worth a year in P&Ls. I mean, it's not that hard to give you a year in P&L, you know. So it's just now you're talking about sales, too. That's really important. How do you confirm sales, you know? And that's where you get an independent versus franchising. Franchising, the franchisor fees are paid based on that. So you can usually get something that actually because I know we do a Charlie's Grill and a couple of them, and they actually pull it from the computer system every single month and pay the fees based on that. So we have the situation where you, you, you know, you do. You're right. But. There's a couple of different ways you can do it. So you that's can do a POS or you can get a franchise. That's kind of a good reason maybe to be looking at a franchise because you might have better documentation, more 
legitimate documentation versus a mom and pop that might turn around and said, hey, you know, let's just get ready to sell. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just saying I know entrepreneurs and sometimes they know how to play the game. I'm a franchise guy. So, I mean, I definitely believe and believe me, I don't believe in all franchises. I mean, I have a criteria with that I'm looking at and that's that they have to have a certain amount of stores. They've been in business so long. I mean, you know, some guy's got five yogurt stores and now it's franchising internationally. It's not something I'm putting money into, you know. All right. We're going to take our first break. If you want to join the show, maybe you're thinking of opening a business. Maybe you started a business. You're not too sure what type of entity, how to go about it, or how do you actually finance a purchase of a franchise? Well, hold your britches because we're going to come back with Barry Burke and talk more about it. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986-615-779-937-9986. We'll be right back. Live in studio, I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do what? Taxes and representation. I'm kind of like superwoman between you and the IRS. I've got that shield, so if something happens, I can stand there to help defend you against the IRS. So if you've got IRS issues, you know who to call. Meanwhile, if you want to join the show, 615-737-9986. Let's hit the phones. Hello, Josh. Hey, Friday. What's happening? Love the show. Got a question. So uh, I make about $70,000, uh, but I am going to purchase a flip home. Um, I'm purchasing, purchasing the house, and let's just say the house is 100000 It's going to take, you know, roughly 50000 to fix up. I am not going to be funding the uh, rehab. I'm just purchasing the home. Okay. Uh, and should split somewhere around. Profits. All that money is going to come back to me, obviously. How do I, and you know, it would look like I'm made, you know, the total amount. Is there anything I should do? Of course, I'm going to have to split up the profits uh, between myself and some others. Um, Yeah, we we need 1099 the others. That's what I need to do. This is, okay. Even though I'm not set up as a business or LLC to do this type of thing. Well, in theory, you're a sole proprietorship because you're a single individual doing business as. Uh, even though it's a flip, it's still a flip. So you're going to need to fit. And you're buying the house, but the 50000 or so that's being put in to do the flip or the sweat labor they're putting in to do the flip, whichever way you want to look at it, um, are any of them contractors? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. Is that person going to invoice us for their service? So, uh, you know, I'm going with this because there. So the other individuals are going to do the funding for the actual repairs. Okay. So basically, um, I'm just purchasing. They're handling everything else, sell everything. I'm just doing the buying. Okay, so you're just a money man. Um, well, here's the way it works. It's going to be. I mean, normally a flip is done less than 12 months. Buy the mm-hmm. home, flip it, sell the home. So it's ordinary yeah. income. Long, t- It's short-term capital gains taxed at ordinary income rates. So right. that being said, we just go to 1099. Everyone, you're going to get the 1099S. For example, mm-hmm. when you sell the real estate, it's going to say you sold it for $250. we will have the cost basis of $150. And you know, then you're going to split the remaining $100,000 by whatever number of percentages the people have. They'll do their own taxes. You'll have proof that you paid them. 
So just the checks and the receipts, I guess, will will suffice as exactly. far as covering myself. Right, because the only thing we're going to have is the hundred thousand that you purchased. If you're not paying out that fifty grand, theoretically, mm-hmm. you don't have receipts for that. Right. You know, so we have to make sure that at the end. It's basically going to be two fifty sale. You had a hundred thousand into it. We have a hundred and fifty thousand, and then we're going to give them each their share plus the money that they were out of pocket that you agreed to. If that makes sense, right? No, I get that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I'm and the I guess around the ten percent tax bracket right now. This would oh. bump me up. Oh, you know. Are you married I'm, or single? Yes, married. married. Okay, so up to a hundred, you're at twelve percent. Okay. So you might kick over anything, a little. Uh, above that, will yeah. jump automatically to twenty-two for the whole hundred. No, yeah, for the so whole... first hundred will be twelve. So anything at a hundred and one and above, whatever that difference, maybe another twenty grand you'll have at the above number, depending on your percentage, would be at twenty-two. Yeah. All right, all right, that sounds good. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. Okay, so obviously, just like that business, there are a lot of numbers we need to know, and the number we need to know. Hi, Barry, you back? I'm back. Okay, I do want to make sure you didn't, you know, take a break or no, something. That was pretty interesting, actually. Um, so I want to purchase a franchise. What do I need to know if I'm going to purchase a franchise? I mean, I'm a newbie. Never really okay. purchased one. How do I finance it? Can I finance it? Do I have to walk in with all the money like this gentleman and buy the house outright? Okay, well, when you say you want to buy a franchise, first thing is, do you want to buy it and build it like from directly from the franchise, or are you going to buy an existing restaurant? Which is what the way I would highly recommend an existing restaurant because you've got some history and you've got some cash flow, hopefully, and and all those other things. I'm not a new a new person should not be doing development. I mean, it's just it's way too risky. Yeah, you'll hear about the guys who who built a yogurt stand and made a hundred thousand dollars, and then you'll hear about ten others who built a yogurt stand and they're selling them for a half or a third of what they built them for. So uh, go for the resale. And then in most cases, if you've got any management experience or any restaurant experience, obviously you don't have restaurant experience, but if you've got any management or retail experiences, SBA is going to finance you. Now you're going to need at least 30%, I say, down. I always have to figure at least 30%. If you got out with 25, great. But So if you're doing a $400,000 purchase, you know, you need 120. 120 yeah, $120,000. Now I've heard, that, I've heard that some franchises say you have to have um, assets or a right. equivalent of certain dollar amounts before they'll even let you into their franchise. Well, there there are there are qualifications depending on who it is. Your big guys like your your Yum Brands, you know Taco Bell's of the world and stuff. Those you need to re, re, usually be worth upwards of a million and a half net worth, liquid of about seven fifty. But your smaller guys like the Cinnabons and and uh, you know the Wing Stops and most of those guys are around hundred and fifty liquid. You know, three to five hundred thousand dollar net worth. So if you own a house, you know, and a couple of assets. You're so say I want to buy a, let's just say a Cinnabon, just as a brand right. I know, um, and it's an existing one. Right. And so they've given me. How do I value? I mean, he comes and says, I want this much money. Mm-hmm. No idea how the gentleman came up with it. Maybe it's a hundred percent of his sales, right. three years of his profits. Don't know. How do you value it? Uh, it's, it's valued in cash flow. I mean, if, if something's not making cash flow. And people say, well, I put $400,000 into it. I'll sell right. it to you for two hundred. You don't want it. I mean, bottom line, I mean, I've been offered those restaurants all the time. I, st- I don't even take them. So a new guy will take them a lot of times because they think they're getting in at half price. And that's not how it works, guys. So um, you it's usually about, you know, it all depends on the brand. But I, I always use a round number of four times, four times income. 
So when you say income right. to most of us, what do you mean by income? Exactly. So we were talking earlier about financial statements, right. right? So when I say income, I say true income. So if somebody's putting cell phones and life insurance and things in family values or in their business, which right. a lot of them are, we would add all that back. So okay. their their financial statement may show hundred, but we may find another fifty. So the actual income is one hundred and fifty. Okay. So you would be looking at that business somewhere in the neighborhood of six hundred thousand dollars. So now, you do pre tax, right? Okay. Right, pre tax, and then you also want to look at the brand. Is it a dying brand? Is it a hot brand? How do I, mean, I know that? I'm a newbie. How do I know if it's a dying brand? The guy's offering it to me. He's making 150. Sounds great on paper. Right, right. How well, do I, I mean, what's the, what, what will the franchise do for me? Is, is the brand trending up or trending down? Is, so are they is, opening stores or right, closing stores? Right, okay. and are the sales trending up or trending down? So then you're also looking at the FDD and you have a choice in the FDD of um, they have closures. In the FDD, it'll say closures. Oh. So in the back of the FDD, it's usually in the back of the FDD. It'll say how many stores closed last year, how many stores opened last year. That's a very valuable information. Is this something my broker, the person, I mean, assuming that I'm looking at a franchise and I've hired someone like mm-hmm. yourself to help me find the right franchise for me, is this something that you will bring to the table saying, hey, I understand Cinnabon, it's an up-and-coming brand, uh, you're in the right price, I only have I only have assets of 400000 not a million, so I can't right. go look at the Taco Bells of the world these are up and coming brands that you would consider. There's not, I mean, a, there's not a lot of, of resale uh, franchise brokers out there. There's a few larger firms. Uh, we're a larger firm, you know, four year old mm-hmm. company. But um, you don't want to be dealing with the real estate agents selling a business, and that's very popular. I yeah. know that is. But the well, you don't even have to have a license totally in Tennessee no. to to buy or sell businesses. It's not like real estate where they at least have regulations. And, and when you're dealing with franchising, you're in a whole different world. I mean, there's a whole training program. Are you qualified to buy it? Are you going to get SBA's financing? Are, I mean, are you paying the right price? You know, it's all kinds of variables that you just brought up an interesting you know? thing. So let's say we come to a deal. Okay. We agree. This guy's making 150. We're going to pay four times the amount. Right. So we agree on $600,000. I can't buy this until I know if the franchise is going to let me buy it, right? Right. right. Uh, so is this something that's all pre, pre-done? pre I mean, do I give this – I mean, I can't buy it and then go backward and say, sorry, sorry, I couldn't get qualified, so now I'm stuck with the franchise I can't Okay, use. so let me give you yeah. a, a real good piece of advice. A lot of business transactions want money up front, and they want you to put it into an escrow account. Okay. And then you're all going to fight about the money if it fails, right? You're all going to fight about that, it. The, buy, yeah. the seller's going to say that's my money. The buyer's going to say that's my money. The way our firm works, and we've been around 45 years and we've done a lot of deals, is we don't take money up front. We take a check mm-hmm. because you have to have a check in order to make a contract legitimate. Right. And it stays in an uncashed form because there's no point in opening an escrow until you just said, do we have financing? Do we have franchise? Those are all contingencies that should be in your contract. You should have a contract that says, I'm going to pay X number of dollars. I'm going to have a period of time to do my due diligence. It's usually 10 to 15 days because uh-huh. franchise due diligence is not that difficult. Um, and then you have financing contingency, training contingency, okay. franchise or approval contingency, all these okay. contingencies. So if you fail or the deal falls apart, you can walk away with no money out of pocket. I hear stories all the time. I lost $15,000 because I, I didn't buy this business. That should not happen. So, so as a broker, and you've just done all of this work to try to sell this property that falls through, they're not responsible for paying your no. fees at some in, point. In our firm, we don't get paid unless it closes. Gotcha. So, so I don't make any money. It's like a real <laughs> – sounds like a great plan. I'm so, so glad you're making money at this because apparently you must know how to structure the closings properly. We do. Um, so what is Goodwill? I mean when people put together – I mean I understand – I mean I understand Goodwill. But you know, when people say, hey, my business is worth this much because I've been in business 30 years. 
Is there a, is there is that taken into account? Do you there, care there, about goodwill? In all honesty, no. That's between the buyer and the seller. The okay. buyer usually has his number he wants to work with, depending on how good his accountant is, and the seller has his number they want to right. work with, and they do need to agree on. You know, equipment, goodwill, right. franchise. Because we have to value fees, that for tax purposes. You know, yes. Depreciation and, and all that stuff over time, which you're the accountant. Yeah. So I don't, I always tell them I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> so, um, but they do need to, they do need to understand what goodwill is because I think you would advise them. I don't know. It's I a, like less in goodwill and less, more in equipment. Right, exactly. Personally, if I'm, the, if I'm on the buyer side, if I'm on the seller side, I want less in equipment and more in goodwill. Um, Either way. All right. We're going to take another quick break. You can join the show, guys, if you've got questions concerning taxes or maybe you're you're in your own restaurant, your own business, and you're thinking, hmm, maybe I should think about selling this. How would you go about doing that? Who do you contact? Well, hey, we've got the answer. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. G'day, we are back live in studio. You can join us right here, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Maybe you've got some questions about receiving some love letters, you know how the government loves you, or maybe you haven't filed taxes in a number of years, or maybe you're thinking, you know what, my IRA and things are doing okay, but maybe I should do something else, like buy into a franchise. I mean, is this a good idea? And who would it be an ideal person for and who wouldn't? And what in the heck is an SBA loan? So let's ask the expert over here first. Is franchising for everyone? No. <laughs> kind of figured that answer you know, all by myself. There's no. nothing for everyone. No. But what would be a, a, a maybe if you were selling to someone, what's your ideal buyer? What's your ideal buyer? Well, it, it depends on where, where their capital is, right? How much mm-hmm. capital they have, what, their, what the past experience is. Um, but are they going to be actively involved in this restaurant or business or, or other business, service businesses? Right. I mean, there's lots of different types of franchises out there. Um, you're never going to make as much money as an absentee owner. I mean, I own restaurants absentee. And right. I know if I went back to the day when I used to run my own restaurants, I'd be a lot yeah. cleaner, Your a lot faster. wife would you and, and you'd be lot, divorced. Right, exactly. So it depends on – and there again, you just you, you know you just mentioned something very strong there because a lot of people think about businesses and they're like, I'm not doing a business. It's going to drive me nuts. I mean, I get those yes. calls and that's why people sell. And and, and I look at half and go, wow, you just don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, you've got to empower people. I mean, I say all this is about empowering people. Yes. So um, the ideal buyer, there isn't really one ideal buyer because you got to find out the ideal product for that buyer. Matching you know? the right type of business right. that this person can relate enough to to do it. So right. I always hear a lot of times SBA. Right. Um, I'm pre-approved or the franchise is pre-approved for SBA. So that's that's a good thing. And yeah, so what does things. that mean? Two different things you said there. The franchise is approved. They have a pre-approval for, for national brands. That's good because they can go on a fast track, which is easier to get qualified for. Okay. Um, because the brand has proven that it's legitimate. It makes money. It has few closures. You know, the closure ratio really weighs heavily into that. So if gotcha. all of a sudden you start seeing a lot of, you, you guys have all seen them. You see a, a lot of yogurt brands closing of mm-hmm. a certain brand. They'll lose their SBA uh, fast track status, you know, and that can happen anytime in the life of the brand. So, um, Almost anyone, not almost, almost anyone can get an SBA loan, but there are criteria. One is experience. As I say, and I've one, heard that you have to have a number of years, yes, right? Yeah, you do need to have experience, um, but but experience can be outweighed by collateral. I mean, um, so, <laughs> so if I'm rich, I can bypass yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, I know so a lot of people listening. That's not the first time you've heard that. You know, so sometimes you can bypass some experience. Right. 
when things got real hairy back in the 08, it went straight to you only could buy a restaurant if you had restaurant experience. You can only buy a service industry if you had service experience. You now, I've heard that if that. you sell, so. I don't know, 10% of the ownership, mm-hmm. like I'm putting the money in, but I'm going to bring an operating manager mm-hmm. in that maybe has been running restaurants forever. Right. They can be that 10%, right? Or can they on the SBA? Does that work or no? I'm, I've never, I mean. doesn't doesn't work on the SBA. does not. But you it, have to be the person. But it does work on the franchisor because some cases, if you're buying multiple units and you're, uh, for example, you know, there's a 12 chain Papa John's right now for sale uh-huh. and it has an operating partner in it. So a money person could step into that posi- position, you know, a $4 million money person uh-huh. uh, could step into that position and they could buy that product because they have approved. Now, they would need to get all the financing. Right. You know? um, but if you're working with a good fan- franchise broker again, right. um, you know, I've They're got people that work with different, this. you know, and right. I should be pre qualified. If you you call me up and said, I want to do it, my first question what's your experience? How much capital do you're you have? You're going to pre qualify what you know what this is. Right. You know, and, and not waste my time. Like I told you earlier, I don't get paid unless I, I close deals. So I'm not wasting my time if someone's got $200,000. Do you, you get, uh, do you ever do much with the self directed IRA individuals? Do you guys get into that side of it or not really? I, I mean, actually have. Um, I, I Not too many people use it, um, uh-huh. but. It's becoming more and more popular, and it, and it can work with financing. Uh, it, you know, you can use your self-directed IRA as a, as a down payment, right? And, and SBA can still come into the the deal. And okay. I, and you're you're the smart one on this, but that that's really effective when they exit, isn't it? Is that how that is that where the big payoff is when you exit it and you sell it? You're allowed well, to take a certain portion back out as part of the down payment. The, yeah, basically, what happens is you start your own corporation, you buy the stock of the corporation through your IRA. So right. now the IRA has put five hundred thousand dollars into the corporation as capital. That is then transferred to the purchase of a business, and then you know at that point when you get the money back, you'll start depositing it back into the stock sales. So when you sell the business, you owe the IRA five hundred thousand. Um, so, so, so during the operating period, if let's say that's twenty percent of the business during the operating phase of that, can that twenty percent of income be going back into that self-directed IRA and become? There's no defer of it, but right. yes, you're paying it back just like a loan. So that means right. you have to make the profit to pay back the SBA, right? Right. right. But or that the, the profit to pay back the IRA, and right. then it will grow tax deferred still in that. So, so at some point, once you pay the the IRA back, can can the income go into the fund? IRA it could be fully is, owned by the IRA. Yes. Right. I mean, right. it may be full, fully owned, so all profits will eventually go into. And when you sell the cap, the downside is capital gains is always a lower tax than income, right? right. So right. Right. when you when you put it back into the IRA with capital gains, you're going to have a problem because now you're paying ordinary income when you take it back out. Right. So you may not get it all the tax advantage that you're thinking, but it may be that you just make it a 50% owner of the corporation and they're 500000 and then you pay it back. And then mm-hmm. that way, eventually, you can buy the IRA out. So when you're ready to really sell the business, you as an individual could take on the capital gain side. Right. And if it's a C corporation, theoretically, the shares that you personally own could have a zero capital gains tax because the small business tax, right. as long as you owned it over five years and some other things. But there are a lot of people using, using the self-directed. Well, uh, I mean, I was just curious so. because it is a place where a lot of people that may feel their IRA IRAs aren't uh, doing as much. I mean, I've got people that are doing house flipping through their self-directed IRAs, um, buying and selling businesses, I suppose, would be just the same. The biggest thing is how close are you to 60 or 70 and a half? Because if you don't have cash, you can't take RMD. So if the money is tied up in stock. How close am I? I'm not very close. That's what he always says. <laughs> so that being said, we're not going to go there. Um, 
<laughs> and you'd have to have a self-directed IRA. <laughs> yeah, uh, <exactly. laughs> all right. So they're saying um, the, the, the article I've, I've read or whatever, some of them say you can get in as low as 10% on a traditional loan. Does that seem logical? You you mentioned 30. I, I was just curious. I mean, if I'm looking to purchase a 600000 I should prepare for a 30% cash deposit. And then does that even consider the fact on the accounting side, we want you to have another, I don't know, 60000 easily in a bank account for operating, right? You've got to right. get in there. You've got to, you may have to do some, uh, the franchise may require you sometimes to do a new facelift so or with, um, whatever SBA, else. Uh-huh. You can put in working capital. Oh, okay. Okay, so with SBA, with us guys who like to use none someone of else's money, money. <laughs> um, you would let's say you put in two hundred fifty thousand dollars into a project, right? Thirty percent, say it's a million dollar deal or whatever. So you would try to put in about two hundred thousand dollars in working capital, and they usually require like at least a minimum of a hundred thousand, right? That's I hope so, so. I try to bump it up. Right? I, I always try to bump it up because then you have it one for working capital if that's what you're going to use it for, or two, you're getting most of your money back when you close. Um, but the articles, like you're saying, or, or the information you're saying, and Wells Fargo and some of your larger banks will say 10%. First of all, any new business owner is not getting conventional financing. The only conventional financing you can do is, like, now that I've had my st- my most recent par- purchases for over five years, mm-hmm. I could go back now and take equity out so of those and get conventional that's a lo- That's a golden number, five years. Yeah, yeah, at least five years they're looking at. And they're looking at not just one unit. They're usually looking at it three units or more to, gotcha. ro- to start rolling into conventional financing. So what they're saying is we want somebody who's been successful, who has money, and who has lots of experience. And then they'll go conventional financing. But And it's a better rate. But originally, you better be prepared for 30% down in SBA financing. And the big banks will tell you they can do it. But there is no – I mean, I do a lot of lending. There is no one giving 10% down except for conventional. What about the owner financing? I mean, I'm thinking more from the owner side now, not from the mm-hmm. buyer, because there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the buyer. It's praying probably for owner financing mm-hmm. in some ways. What's your input? Is that something – you would normally stay away from something. Where do you stand on that? You know. Well, most owners are going to say no immediately. Um, but I'm a creative guy, so mm-hmm. uh, I've actually one of the purchases I did. I got some owner financing to make it work. Um, it's not something most owners want to do, but right. if they have the right buyer who has good credit and they think's going to close. You know, they may carry back, you know, 10 percent, 15 percent. They're not going to carry back 50 percent. No. You know? um, and if they are, then you should be asking why they are. I'll be honest with you, because most people sell businesses to put money in their pocket, right, or to, or to go into another venture. So I want to ask you only, what what is the upside to a seller carrying a note back? Because, I, I mean, I, I've never really understood that uh, tax-wise. I know there's an – I think there's an advantage because they don't get all their money at once, or how does that work? Right. So from our standpoint, we do it as an installment sale. So theoretically, let's say it is a million-dollar sale and the gains are 250000 but he carries it so it shows as a $800,000 sale right. because he carried the two hundred, which he's not going to get for a period of – eight to 10 years, or maybe he's going to get a balloon payment plus monthly or, or whatever. He only has to pay tax on those as received. So theoretically, you would be able to defer some of that cost over to multiple years. So sometimes we'll even do a, a balloon payment the next year. So if we have a big piece of property, we'll sell so much this year with a balloon payment due next year where we can actually do an So we could show it as an advantage for a seller if they were to do an installment Well, yeah, plan. because, you know, anything so. of capital gains of over 600, well, over 
what, $250,000, $300,000. It goes from 20% to 23.9, right. 4% right. savings almost immediately. Ideally, you keep it in the 15% long-term capital gain situation instead of going to 24, which is almost a 10% difference if you have a large sale. Now, negative, you can't always control that because they may that. never see the money. I, mean, I like the positive, too, right. and I like to do that with my sellers. I, I never – I never knew what to say to them about that because right. I, I knew there was a tax advantage, but I never knew what it was. Um, and then also the negative to that is if it's an SBA loan, they can't get any payments for two years. The two-year holdback on all seller uh, loans. So, okay. I mean, I've even carried some brokerage fees for people, and I can't get them for two years because right. uh, SBA locks everyone out for two years. So, yeah, that's one thing you have to learn about as a seller. Well, what they know. So. They don't need to know. Well, sometimes that's um, the case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, it'll be our last one. So if you've been holding your breath saying, oh, I've got a question, you need to call us, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. You see how I calmly say those numbers nice and slow? No. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. <laughs> studio again if you want to join the show you can 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 all right so um how about leases i mean how important is the amount of money i mean and if i'm buying a business and this person has an agreement already do i have to live by the agreement they already have am i just added on as a new person is there a negotiating room there is negotiating room am i on yeah um there is negotiating room but uh Okay. Um, I want I want to go back to what you're saying on the purchase agreement. Right. That that's one thing should be in your purchase agreement that the lease is subject to approval by buyer. Oh, okay. So you want to have that in purchase agreement as well because there might be some tricky language in there. There's all kinds of language in these leases. I mean, you might not have as much net worth as the seller. They might not approve the lease. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, you know, some some brands will do what we call like the Little Caesars clause. We call it if you're a new Little Caesars franchisee. And it's in the lease. They have to approve you as as the new lease assignment, no matter what. Gotcha. Not too many brands do that, but some brands do, and that's pretty tricky. So that's good. Um, and then you, uh, you know, your net worth, your credit, all that stuff. But you can negotiate almost every deal you want at least ten years, whether it's in options or whatever. You want right. at least ten years because your financing is going to probably be for seven to ten years. Gotcha. Um, or your franchise agreement is going to be for. Hate 10 to be years. kicked out before my so, I'm done know, paying yeah, for the thing. Yeah, and the franchisor will still want their money every month, even if you close. So be careful. Um, and a lot of times with franchises, um, a thing you hear a lot about is uh, every few years, Charlie's or some of these, they'll say, you have to do a refacing. You right. have to update the look, whatever. Is that pretty typical? I mean, is it like every five years that you pretty much – and, and normally that costs pretty – I mean, that's a, a hefty dollar amount. Yes, it's different different amounts, obviously, you know, depending on the brand. Right. Uh, you can go from 20000 to like uh, Wendy's, it could be, you know, 700000 you know. Yeah. Um, so – um, but yes, you do, you do figure about every five years, you're supposed to do a resurface or reface. Um, but you will do it if you ever want to renew your franchise agreement. So 
Um, you know, so in reality, is it may the say every five in the years, agreement. but by ten years, when you the end of your agreement, you, you'll have to do it, or the buyer will have to do it. But some people don't. I mean, some brands are tougher than others, and some are like a Cinnabon. It costs you twenty thousand to reface it. Right, didn't take uh, a whole bunch to do the original. You know, yeah. It's not a lot just, to it. I just did my one of my wing stops, and it was you know seventy five thousand dollars for the dining room, which I thought was ridiculous because that was no equipment or anything. It's just right chairs and, and wall and cover, wall and covering. Yeah, I understand they've gotten it down, but um, but you know if you're making money. Well, you do and it, I think customers, you know? I mean, to a point, customers like that new look. Yeah, I mean, it gives them fresh. feeling. Your so employees like it, too. You when know? you're a broker or whatever, do you help people through the steps of, I mean, we got business, getting through the franchise first, obviously, right. negotiating leases, um, buying permits, liquor permits, mm-hmm. whatever, depending on the type of franchise. Um, is this something that you expect a broker or is there your accountant? I mean, we, or do you work do. with lawyers uh, and accountants or how does that work for na- you? National Franchise Sales does do a lot of that for you. Okay. We, we won't negotiate the lease for you, but we will look at the lease. And as and everyone in national franchise sales have been in the restaurant business, so um, all the brokers have uh-huh. been. So we kind of see things that pop out. I mean, I just had one that was uh, the option was only approved for the existing franchisee, and he's selling the business. <laughs> and he said it won't be a problem. Well, it was a problem, right? The right. landlord didn't want to renew the lease to the new guy. The new guy had twice as much money as the old guy, but we finally convinced him, you know? But, right, but he- we, we saw that. He didn't see that, and that's – that's where you want you need somebody who understands that. Yeah, we, we help with that. We we do also have we don't do liquor licenses, but we have some services that we can contract with right. and help them with that. Um, uh, you know, once again, your broker don't sound bad about this, but your broker is not responsible for anything. Right. right. I mean, it's like a real estate sale. The they bring they bring the two so, parties together. Right. I mean, that's their job basically. So, but. You, you got to get them through the process if they're going to close, which means you're not paid until this person actually right. has all of these things. So if you're dealing with a broker that basically just says, I don't do that, I don't do that, you got the wrong broker because right. the broker is basically not going to be able to help you close or you can do all that after you close. Mm-hmm. And then you find out you can't get a liquor license because there's only one allowed every 16 blocks and there's two stores already with them in Nashville or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so – even though there's a pre-existing one, you can't always assume that they're going to let you grandfather that in, is all I'm saying. So this is one of those things where national franchise brands, is that what you National call? franchise sales. It's national yeah. franchise sales. In FS. In FS. Yes, NFS. And can people Google that? Is that something that's yeah, on the internet? Yeah, on the www national franchise sales there you go i don't even know my phone number that's all right i have no expectation of you doing (laughs) that if i needed that i probably could have lisa give us the number so but so if somebody is looking to say and and do you do all states yes okay we do everything so i got deals going all all over the place we we are we're we're out of california that's where our main office is but we're out of dallas right my wife and i so um, so if somebody's stuff. sitting here and they've got a bunch of restaurants, franchises especially, and they're probably going to go back to the franchise and maybe tell them what? They probably go back to Subway and say, you know what, I want to, I want out. Or do they, they don't really need to do that. They should probably call National yeah, Franchise them, Sales yeah. and basically say, hey, can you help me sell my franchises? Or they have a referral like Papa John's. I know you're listed as a referral if anyone wants to sell theirs right. or well, buy theirs. Right. What we're normally going to do is a lot of franchisees don't want the brand to know they're selling at first. Okay. Uh, eventually, obviously, they have to know. Right. Um, so we do free evaluations. We look at everything. We try to pull as much together. I mean, a lot like as you know, Friday, Dr. Friday, um, you have uh, – these P&Ls, you know, all different kinds. I mean, I can have a P&L that's got six lines on it sometimes, and it's like, okay, we're missing a lot of stuff here. So that's what we do is go through and try to 
put it back together. I mean, you know, sellers are as bad as, uh, you know, can be sometimes out there. So we got we to get the numbers real first. Right. Even though they tell you they're making three hundred thousand dollars. We're the type because we're restaurant people. Right. You we know, know they're not making that the food cost being 12 percent right. isn't making a lot of sense right. unless it right. is maybe pretzels. Or and something. so I, I mean, if I can't get a seller to get there and they don't understand the, the necessity of that, I'm right. not working with that seller. Um, and if it's a project that I just don't think uh, is going to work, I mean, because they put it up and they shouldn't have put it up. Right. I'm, I mean, I turn down deals every every day, almost at least every week because well, um, there's no point. Like you said, I don't get paid unless we close. So I can't put something out there that people aren't going to buy. And if I got a seller that wants a half million dollars or something that's worth a hundred thousand dollars, we're wasting each other's time. Right. You know. And so, so, I mean, I guess that's the first question. I mean, myself. I mean, obviously, I own my own private business, but right. anyone. So the first step would really be to call someone like yourself and say, "Hey, I need an evaluation. What would right. my business be worth?" Right. Because you need a realistic. Because all of us think our businesses are always worth more. Let's be honest. Any business owner will sit there and tell you. I mean, I can't tell you how many self-employed people say, "This is my retirement." Right. This business is my retirement. So when I sell, which some, of, I mean, Hank and I joke all the time. Theoretically, my business probably has very little value in many ways. I mean, sure, I've got people that've been with me for a long time, but in all reality. They're with Dr. Friday. When I go, I am the value. And so when I go away, it's not like H&R Block where people go because there's 15 million people working on tax returns. You know, Dr. Friday is there working with me directly. So. Gino's the mom and pizza, pop, right? right? Because, I'm the mom and pop. Right. You know, you buy the mom and pop, you got one stop, and maybe I make a very nice living, but in reality, it may not have a, a value what I think this right. thing is worth. Oh, wow, it's worth millions, baby, because right. oh, I'm worth millions. But in reality, we it may know, not. We know you are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. We also know that. There's no question about that. So I guess to walk away on this one, guys, my opinion is if you're in the business and you're wanting to get a, a true value, because you and I know, we've talked about this prior on this show it comes down to you need to know what it's worth before you can truly put it out there so you need uh, an unbiased opinion maybe is the easiest way because what the bottom line is it may be in different industries you know the profit and then a lot of people since you're maybe owner operated you're paying yourself i don't know one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a year salary because that's what you're needing to live off of and that's what you've been paying. but maybe the next person really only needs 50 because that would be what the typical right. manager would make at running that business, well, right? So yeah. that would be the ad backs that you're talking about. Say, it is what somebody is willing to pay for it. And sometimes it surprises me. It's, right. Sometimes it's worth more than what I think it's worth because somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. But the seller always thinks it's worth more than what it's worth, unfortunately. But well, it, it is what somebody's willing to pay for, and we have to always remember that. Because in some cases, let's be honest, I have people that have paid more than four hundred thousand dollars uh for a startup in a spa right end up selling it for 200 because right. it never made the money right. all right so national franchise sales if you're interested at all in buying a franchise give them a call can't hurt ask for barry burke it's pretty bb barry burke there you go and if you like to reach me you guys know the number 615-367-0819 check me out on the web Find out who this crazy blonde is, drfriday.com. And the easiest way to reach me, always email friday at drfriday.com. See you next Saturday. Hope you have a wonderful day. Call you later.